0: And that's one of the things that I do often. I ask them, where do you get your news? Who do you like to read? What kind of stories do you like to read? What do you think you're not, you know, you're not seeing in the news and, and you should be? And that very much drives my pop-up.
1: It's not enough anymore to do a phone interview with the usual suspects. You have to get out of the world and find new sources. Sometimes that means you have to bring the whole newsroom along with you. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Helen Obinus is a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Daily News. She specializes in telling stories of Philly residents who often go unseen or unheard of in the media. Helen recently started a series of pop-up newsrooms covering marginalized neighborhoods, and she's here to tell us all about it. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. Thanks. Okay. Well, first of all, how did you get interested in journalism?
0: Well, I've always been interested in writing, you know, when I was uh, younger, didn't really know how I could make that into, you know, I guess into something that I did, you know, for a living. I ended up going to community college where I started to work for the newspaper there and just really found a, a sort of natural love for it and and a love for storytelling and asking a lot of questions. You know, my father was a, a big newspaper reader and he'd bring it home. And so that was also sort of, I guess, early on sort of interest in reading newspapers, but in actually you know, writing and being a journalist, I say it really sort of started in uh, community college.
1: Did you grow up in the Philadelphia area?
0: No, I grew up in New York, mostly in the Bronx. I was the middle of, uh, you know, three kids, three sisters. And we moved around later, you know, when I was about 18, 19, my dad started to move move us around between New York, Massachusetts and Connecticut for his job. He's a furrier. He he, uh, makes fur coats. So Basically, he was chasing jobs, and so we went where the jobs were.
1: Cool, cool. So you got, you got a chance to see a, a little bit of the different aspects of the, of the East Coast. Yes. So how did you get interested in this niche that you're covering of, uh, you know, covering the little guy and the little, little gal's story?
0: I think it, it all sort of stems back to, I guess, you know, for a lot of us journalists, sort of our upbringing. You know, I grew up in, like I said, in the Bronx in uh, neighborhoods that looked a lot like the neighborhoods that I, you know, ended up covering when I worked for the Hartford Currents for almost 20 years. And then now here in Philadelphia, meaning underserved, often unseen. For a long time, we as journalists, and, and I'm one, would often say, you know, I that we wanted to write about people who don't have a voice. And that has, you know, very much evolved in my thinking as a journalist, because everyone has a voice. We have just chosen whose voices we hear and whose voices we don't, whose voices we validate and whose voices we we don't validate. And so that's always been an interest of mine because I happen to, you know, grow up in neighborhoods that were unseen. You know, I think I had a voice when I was younger that wasn't always heard. So that very much drives my journalism and my desire to tell the stories that I tell.
1: So, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because we, we talk about that a lot on the podcast yeah. is how to, we've had a few people come on and talk about solutions, journalism, where they're mm-hmm. going into communities and things like that. And your sort of concept of the, of the pop-up newsroom. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where where did this idea come from? And, and you know, in, in what form did it sort of, a, have you sort of make it appear?
0: Last year, I think it was October. I went to, for the first time, I went to a journalism and women's symposium, camp. And basically it's a, uh, you know, a workshop, a a camp for female journalists of all ages and backgrounds. And, you know, some are just starting out in journalism. Some have been in journalism for many years. And I'd heard about this symposium for years, but never really went. They call themselves JAWS. So, you know, I went and it was really cool to be around, you know, other Strong female journalists who are trying, you know, all kinds of different things in their own journalistic careers and all that. And, and they had a great social media approach to it. So even if you were in one workshop, you could follow another workshop on Twitter and all this stuff. So. I want to say I was in another workshop, but I actually could also have been hiking because they really pushed to sort of like get together the informal gatherings. I also could have been hiking with other journalists. I can't really totally remember. But I do remember going on Twitter and reading about these pop-up newsrooms. And I just thought it was brilliant. You know, I very much have, my whole career has been, you will not find me very often at my desk. You know, I'm not a big fan of doing interviews, you know, for my columns on the phone, I like to meet people one-on-one. I find stories often when I'm just sort of wandering around from one column to another. And I like the idea of meeting people where they were, where they lived, where they happened to be attending an event or just hanging out and talking to them about stories, maybe their story, but also introducing myself and introducing or maybe reintroducing journalism or the journalists that cover their city to them. And that's one of the things that I do often. I ask them, "Where do you get your news? Who do you like to read? What kind of stories do you like to read? What do you think you're not, you know, you're not seeing in the news, and you should be?" And that very much drives my pop-ups.
1: So, how did you how did you pitch this to the Enquirer?
0: So, funny thing, as much as I can, when I have these ideas. There was a desk that we had, and it wasn't long-lived. It was very short, mostly because we just didn't have the platforms to support it, but it was an experimental desk, and I was sort of tapped to be on this desk as a columnist because I'm always trying different things. I use social media, I think, in a very different way than other columnists do. I have for a really long time. Way back when, when I was in Hartford, Connecticut, covering you know, murder trials, I was the first journalist to live-tweet a really high profile double murder trial. And by the time I left that courtroom covering that everyone was live tweeting from that courtroom. So I've always used these different platforms as a way to not just put out news or promote my stories or other stories, but to bring my readers along with me. It's almost like, you know, you know how they say like, you know, God or dog is my co-pilot. My reader is my co-pilot. When I get in my car, I am like tweeting and sharing stuff on Instagram and So I'm bringing my reader along the journey of what it takes to get a story and how I find it. And then I, you know, I do small sort of interviews on Instagram. And so that's sort of how, when I got the idea at JAWS, I thought, this is a really great idea. I'm going to try this. And so that's why I did it. I didn't ask for permission. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I just started to do it. So I decided, you know, I'm going to do a pop-up at the school. And I kind of piggybacked on uh, this event that was taking place. And the school that I chose was in South Philly with a very high percentage of students who come from immigrant families. And they happened to be having this event for the families and the students. And there was like an art program. And anyway, so I piggybacked with them. And what we did was these mock newspapers. And so there was an opportunity for me to sort of teach the kids and connect with the kids. About, you know, what newspapers are and what journalism is. And I brought little, new, you know, reporters' notebooks for them. And, but then I also listened to their parents tell me about, you know, what their lives were like in Philadelphia as immigrant families, some who are documented, some who are not. What it's like to have a child who often, you know, serves as their translator as they are often learning the language. So it's, it's, there's not one goal when I, for a pop-up, but that was my first one. And it was very experimental and I thought it worked really well. It was, it was me. I got some branded pens that had my Twitter, you know, i said at notes from hell, which is my, my Twitter name. You know, if you have tips, call me, I had little chocolates that said the same thing. And I borrowed a table banner from the HR department. And that was that.
1: Cool. And what was the response like on the ground from the students and from the, the families that you spoke to?
0: So the students were were super into my chocolate because I'm no fool. I know how <laughs> to sort of the first rule of anything, know who your audience is, right? So, you know, there was so yeah. that kind of sort of brought them to my little table, as did the mock up front pages that the uh, art organization helped me out with, and they did that. You know, and so it was an opportunity to talk to them a little bit about, do you know what a reporter is, you know, and this is what I do. And I get to ask people all these questions. And so they were they were really into it. They were into making the front pages. They were into, you know, interviewing each other with the little notebooks. The parents weren't sure what to make of me, because, as I said, a lot of the parents are immigrants. Some are documented. Some are not. So they were a little like a little leery, like, what is this woman doing exactly? Why is she asking so many questions? But even there, that was another opportunity where I explained to them who I was and what I did. And I talked to them about the stories that they wished were in, you know, in the media about their life experience. And so we had a lot of really great conversations. And the one, you know, I mean, many great things happened there. But one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, because a lot of times you you just never know what you're going to get. You know, another rule that I I sort of, you know, subscribe to is show up. At the very least, show up. You never know what you're going to get. And I happened to be standing next to a woman who was helping out the arts organization that was there, who had just come back. She's a local photographer who had just come back from documenting the migrant caravan in Mexico and had spent weeks with them. And I got to tell you, maybe I would have met her. Maybe she, you know, I mean, she she was local. It wasn't like she had an agent or she had a press person or she was connected to an organization. And I just happened to be standing there and we started chit-chatting, you know, helping the kids with the cameras and the notebooks. And she talked about, oh, I, I you know, I just came back from documenting the, and I was like, I'm sorry, what'd you say now? And that turned into uh, another column that I don't know if I would have gotten that column if I wasn't there doing a pop-up talking to to the families and the students at the school in South Philadelphia. So that, that sort of really all worked out.
1: So what was the response back in the newsroom?
0: Um, kind of like... The- Kind of like the uh, parents, like they weren't quite sure what to make. Like they were like, Papa, what? And now I'm, I very much work alone and I'm always coming up, like I said, with different things. And I, you know, I tried different things. Uh, Three years ago, uh, something else that I cover a lot of is gun violence in Philadelphia. We unfortunately are affected every single day uh, with gun violence. It does not get the same attention that other gun violence does, you know, across the country. So 3 years ago I started this gathering which I called Fill the Steps at the iconic um art museum steps here in Philadelphia where I called people to to meet at the steps um as you know uh, to show the impact of gun, gun violence in the city every single day and we're now in our 4th year um and so I'm always trying and that was another thing that I didn't really ask anybody about I just did um because I had been writing a lot about the mass shootings um, it was right after the Pulse nightclub shooting, and all of our attention, as it often is when something horrible like that happens, was about gun reform and change and thoughts and prayers, and it was all incredibly valid. But at the same time, we had this—we have this daily gun violence that people here in Philadelphia do with every single day. And I wrote all about the, you know, the mass shooting in, in, at the Pulse nightclub. In fact, I. I went out and bought an AR-15, which was a gun that you know we thought was used. The I think it was a little bit of a different gun. I can't remember what it was now. But I went out that day and and wrote a column about how easy it was to get that gun. So you know I was covering that, but also with an eye towards like we are not paying attention to the violence that affects people here in the city that I cover every single day. So before our attention, you know, um, went away as it always does. I wanted to at least make sure that just, just a small part of the attention was on this gun violence. So I called the people of Philadelphia to the um, art museum steps together to show the impact of gun violence. Um, And, you know, that year, you know, I think we maybe got a couple hundred or, you know, the second year, we got more, the third, you know, the last year was the third year and we got hundreds of people to come out. And last year we got hundreds of people to come out, I think, because, You know, it was Parkland, uh, the the horrific uh, school shooting in Parkland, and students here in Philadelphia were really grappling with, they obviously felt for those students in in Parkland. They knew exactly what they were going through. They feel that almost daily here, you know, but they were grappling with whether they should walk out in solidarity when, you know, they were wondering, where's the solidarity for us when we lose our brothers and sisters and uncles, you know, every day, almost, um, someone here in Philadelphia does. Um, So... This last year, they really led the charge to those steps. And I think that that's the reason why we got more people than ever to to stand on those steps with signs and pictures of people they had lost, um, telling their stories and just sort of united, you know, in a promise to each other that, you know, we would continue the fight to call attention um, to the gun violence in Philadelphia.
1: I'm, gl- I'm glad you talked about this because um, – yeah. Gun violence is is can actually be one of the harder things that the journalists have to have mm-hmm. to deal with, because on the one hand, you know, we're all sitting here waiting for the next terrible event to occur, dreading it. But then, as journalists, you know, we know we're going to have to cover it. We know we're going to have to write about it, and it's like, you know, this is the same story. These are the same right. issues that that come up every time, and, and that we identify the same causes. And, mm-hmm. and it can be really kind of frustrating to, you know, how do you keep that relevant and new? Because it's important to cover these things. You know, how do you, you know, you know, what do you do to motivate yourself?
0: It is incredibly frustrating when you consider that I I wrote about gun violence when I was in Hartford. I write about gun violence now. I was aware and, you know, affected by gun violence when I lived in New York. So it's incredibly frustrating to feel like I'm, you know, I'm writing the same stories over and over again with different names and different locations. And so that was one of the reasons where I wanted to, to connect with the community that was most affected. And and honestly, and say, like, help me, help me sort of get the word out. Help me show people what the faces of gun violence look like, you know, meet me here. The first year I, I called people to the steps, you know, one of the things I said in that column was like, don't let this moment pass without making sure that even if it's for a fleeting moment, that people, you know, in this country understand that gun violence goes beyond the mass shootings that we pay attention to briefly, mind you, because then we move on, but that it goes beyond that. So, I mean, I think that's how I am able to continue to write about it and why I'm able to continue to remain passionate about it and hopeful that one day something will change is by getting more people to join the cause. Whether it's, you know, mothers who lost their kids who are standing, you know, on the on the steps with me, whether it's the young students that I talked about who within a year, it's been a year to see these students and how they've stepped into their power and their voices is amazing. You know, I mean, I just went to a uh sort of was a precursor to the Fill the Steps event coming up next month that they're going to lead because my intention has always been create stuff and then hand it over to the community that it affects the most. So, you know, my intention was never to continue to be the lead on getting people to fill the steps, to promote it, yes, to to help people, you know, get people there. Yeah, but when I handed this over to those students last year, my hope was that they were going to, you know, feel just as passionately about it and do just as much work. And so I went to this talent show last week where if I had any doubts about whether they'd be able to pull this off or whether they still wanted to do this or they still, you know, were passionate about showing the impact that they face every single day, it was all erased because uh, they are more than ready to, to take the lead. And I mean, I can't wait to see what they do next month when they're when they are putting out the call.
1: Yeah, and what I like about this is, you know, one of the ways you keep this fresh, and one of the one of the ways you make it important to people is you show that you know you involve the people who are impacted mm-hmm. by this, exactly. this violence, right? You know, and, and putting their faces out there and right. saying, "Hey, look look at this face. Right. This is somebody who's concerned. This is somebody whose whose family was affected by this, right? You know, how does that make you feel? Are you going to make change? Do you think about change? You know, that part of your mission is that is that anything that you sort of consider that one of the reasons that you do this is is to try to, you know, elicit some change?
0: Yeah. Change is part of my mission every single day. And that's, when I talk about change, I talk about change within my newsroom and outside of the newsroom. Meaning, I know I am incredibly lucky, privileged to have the platform that I have, especially as a Puerto Rican woman. There are not many Latina you know, there, there's not as many uh, Latina reporters as there should be in newsrooms. There are not many, uh, you know, as many uh, reporters uh, of color in newsrooms. Now, you know, now I am lucky enough to have a platform as a columnist. And so when, when I think about change, I think about using my platform in whatever way I can for as long as I have this platform to, to you know, help people amplify their, their voices and the message. And so, you know, I'm not just telling somebody's story, but I am like, I'm allowing them to sort of, you know, I'm using my platform to make sure people are hearing them, to really hear them in a way that perhaps they can't, that they can't or they won't hear them. Mind you, that's changing every day in journalism, because the fact of the matter is, is that in many ways, communities no longer really need us to put their messages out there. You know, in many ways, they've given up waiting for us to show up to tell their stories. So they found their own platforms, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or you name it, podcasts. So, you know, and and I'm also very aware of that. You know, I don't want to lose that connection with the the community. While I know that they can put the message out themselves, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of the conversation. I want to be part of the change. And it doesn't just mean, you know, I, I did something last year that I think surprised a lot of people. You know, when I talk about using my platform, you know, to to amplify people's voices or causes, often people think that I'm I'm only talking about people of color or I'm only talking about people in underserved communities. But in fact, I'm not because I also know who needs to hear the message. And so last year, these these students that I talked about, they have this amazing teacher, Maureen Boland. She's a young white woman, mom of two, I believe. And we talked about having trying to get this message out about how gun violence impacts everyone, and that means someone who lives in North Philly and someone who lives in, you know, Society Hill or, or you know, whatever the neighborhood. It impacts all of us, and it's something that I've tried to sort of just sort of say over and over in my columns. And then, you know, I I hold a, an event like Fill the Steps, and yeah, there are people from different neighborhoods, but not as many, you know, because people think, oh, that only affects those people over there in that neighborhood. And so it was a conversation I had with this teacher and she wrote this incredible, incredible uh, letter to other Philadelphians of privilege. So she was speaking to to people who look like her and from neighborhoods like the ones that she's from, from families like the ones that she's from. And I could have very easily sort of taken snippets from her letter and written a column, you know, but I chose to basically print her column in whole in my column space. And it surprised a lot of people because I think most columnists would have just take, you know, you use parts of her column uh, within their own parts of her letter within their own column. And I wanted this message to go straight from this teacher to her community. And it really made an impact. And I think it was a, a huge reason why we got such a cross section Of people at the steps last year because you know it was she was speaking to her community in a way that I don't know that I could have or that they would have they received the message coming from her in a way that I'm not sure even given my platform that they would have received it in the same way if it was coming from me
1: so to get back to your To your pop-up newsrooms. Yeah. You know, how do you, I mean, this is the thing that you're talking about with this teacher is really kind of interesting. And I think any large city, you know, every city has a degree of diversity to it. And, you know, when you're writing one way, sometimes Mm -hmm. you you feel like you're only reaching one audience. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, by including that letter, I mean, that shows that, you know, you want to get everybody involved because it's everybody's problem. What is the the chicken and egg proposition here? Is it for these pop-up newsrooms, do you you know, I have an idea for a type of story that I I, want to write, and then you look for a community that that has it, or do you go to a community to try to see what their problem is and write the story that way?
0: It's kind of a little bit of both. The first one that I did at the school was very much like, you know, it was the beginning. I wasn't really sure, you know, how this was going to work. And this, just so, you know, we're clear, this is still very much an experiment. This is a work in progress. It's pretty new (laughs) <laughs> you know, each one sort of teaches me a little more about the next one. So, you know, I also, in addition to gun violence, I write a lot about reentry and, you know, criminal justice reform. And so I'm always sort of on the lookout of telling stories in a different way. And we have these these criminal record expungement clinics, various locations around the city. So my second one, I kind of wanted to take a look at those a little bit. And they they have these everywhere. I could have gone to all. I mean, you name it. They have these. You know, at various offices, at organizations hold them. And because of sort of my, like I said, I, I I'm I'm very connected to the community. I you know, and I heard about one that was happening at a barbershop in a neighborhood that I didn't haven't spent a lot of of time in. And I thought, oh well, I'll I'll go check that out. And so I grab the banner again and my chocolates and my, and I go over there and I throw the banner over a borrowed table and I'm just sort of sitting there listening to folks and asking them sort of what their you know what their goal is there but that one very much was about like i want to learn more about you know uh, criminal expungement what's the process you know how hard or easy is it what are people looking for when they come here you know on a saturday afternoon where you know most people are there for a haircut and they're you know they're there because they're like you know i was really surprised because when i think of criminal record expungement i think of folks wanting to get a job and most of the people that were there had jobs but they wanted you know upward mobility they wanted better jobs with you know better benefits you know and their criminal record while it did not keep them from having a job we spoke a lot and they said it was keeping them from getting better jobs so it was eye-opening for me they were curious about why i was there and who i was with and the other thing that i think is interesting with the way i do the pop-ups is because you know, it's not like I created this. These uh, organizations have these, you know, but it's more institutional, meaning like it's coming from the the institution, the newspaper or the news outlet. And this is very much me. This is just me, Helen, as a reporter slash columnist, you know, one person wanting to meet you guys and talk to you about what I do and introduce you to myself, but also introduce you to the newspaper that I work for, you know, hey, do you read the Daily News or uh, the Enquirer? You do, great. How, where do you read it? Because I'm really interested in journalism and how people get their journalism these days. And when they, you know, and some people say, yeah, I read this or I read that, they say, no, I go, why not? Like, what would it take for you to read the paper? What would it take for you to pick it up or to go on Philly.com? And that's led to stories. So that's, again, there are a lot of. I have a lot of different goals with this, so it's not like it's just just one thing, and it sort of evolves depending on where where I am.
1: So uh, you you say that you're you, this is still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. You, you know, do you have any particular takeaways at this point?
0: So you know, you have expectations when you start something like this. You know, or I did. You know, I thought, oh my god, that's a great idea. It's you know, I can do this. I can do you know, and I think that you have to, especially when you're beginning, the way I am with a one woman. You know, pop up newsroom. It still is, and I and I and I like that. I like sort of the freedom of just 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 me sort of popping up places. But you sort of have to sort of temper your expectations. You know, sometimes you, sometimes you go in and you you think, oh, I can sort of see like this is going to lead to all these contacts and stories. And sometimes it just is what it, it's the moment. It is what it is. It's that moment. You meet some great people. You tell a couple of good stories, and maybe that's where it ends. And then other times you go in like, you know, the one at the school where I thought, oh, just, you know, maybe I'll convince some kids to join, to become journalists and reporters. And and especially nowadays when there's so much misinformation about what journalism is and what our intentions are and whether it's from, you know, all the accuracy and all the horrible sort of you know, mentions of fake news and all that. I think it's even more important for us to be in communities that we covered. So they're not just seeing, oh, the Philadelphia Inquirer or the Daily News. No, that's Helen from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I know her. I may not totally get what the institution is, but I know her and I trust her. And if there's a story or a problem or something, I think that she should know, I'm going to reach out and talk to her. And And I always tell them, I may not always be the person who can help you or, you know, but if I can't help you or I can't write the story or the column, I will try to connect you with somebody else. So it's also about expanding the circle. You know, at some point, I would love for other reporters to join me at my pop ups. I think it would be great. I would
1: say reporters like you, who are doing what you are doing, you're you're doing the Lord's work for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 covering these these communities that aren't getting the coverage that they they, they need right. to. You're sort of expanding the scope of your your news outlet, but you're you're out there drum you know banging the drum for journalism. That's right. And, and I think it's really kind of important these days. I think one of the things is people don't don't know what we are, who we are, what we do, and they have all these misconceptions, and they start seeing journalists in their neighborhood concerned about what they're doing. Right that has a big impact and that's something that pays dividends down the road. It may not do them do much for you in that particular story. That's this thing. You know, I allow me to, to digress sure. a little bit. Last year I was, I was in a car with a, um, like a government official and he was just talking to the the other passenger and he made some comment about, you know, about how terrible journalists were. And I had to remind him that there was a journalist in the car and he said, Oh no, no, no that's not what I meant. And, but, we talked about it a little bit, and one of the things he brought up was, you know, he he was uh, like a communications officer, at, you know, in Florida, and there was a journalist there who was just really unprofessional, didn't answer, you know, his calls, was always kind of bothering him about different things, but never. And, and the stories that she wrote weren't, weren't particularly good, and you know, so that's that shows you the effect of a journalist, journalist who's out in the out in the wild, right. not doing good work, you know, poisoning people's perception right. of what we are. Right. So that's why it's important that more of us go out there. And when we are doing our work, that we do a little crowd, you know, crowd interaction, let them know that you're there for a reason, you know, sort of explain what you're doing, but also we're doing this because we, we want to hear your story and, you know, things like this pop-up thing that you're doing is, you know, is great for that, I
0: think. And it's especially important when we talk about some of the issues that, that I, that especially like, you know, a lot of us cover, but I cover a lot you know, it's not always great news, you know, it's gun violence, it's, you know, criminal reform, it's a lot of bad news. And often you hear, or I hear, you guys only show up when it's bad news, when you want to put you when you want to sort of write, you know, bad things about our neighborhood, or, you know, somebody died. And you know, I mean, often, they're not entirely wrong. And so part of this is also like, hey, you know what, I'm here when nothing, when nothing horrible is happening. I'm here because I'm hanging out at a school talking to you guys, you know, to the kids. And I'm I'm here at this communal expungement clinic because, you know, people want to sort of see how they can improve their day-to-day lives. And I actually brought my pop-up to a another pop-up, which was, you know, a pop-up to, to give, uh, it was a clothing donation. So people will show up if they need clothing. And so, you know, often we end up not even talking about sort of the event that I'm actually at. It's just sort of, sort of talking to each other one-on-one, like, Oh, you know, I'm Helen. I live in this neighborhood. Oh yeah, I work there. What do you guys do? Oh, you know, and it's just, it's very important for us to be part of the community, especially when we do, when we so often don't do a good enough job of covering these communities. We need to do that and we need to remind people that, Hey, we're here and we're interested. And, you know, we're, we're your sister and we're your uncle and we're the, we're the, you know, the woman that lives down the street. And so that again is another sort of reason for these pop ups.
1: I, I agree. Now, just to sort of wrap this up, yeah. you know, what would you say to other journalists who 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 might be interested in in doing a sort of a pop up newsroom? What what should what should be the first steps? What should be the things they should be thinking about?
0: It's a it's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. I thought, oh, this is going to be fun, <laughs> you know. Uh, but to do them, you know, to get something out of them, it it does take some work. So, so think about where do you want to go and what are the stories you want to tell and who do you want to connect with. But I think it's important to, to you know to sort of go out there. And I I mean, and part of this, I know this is journalism, you know, and and this is what we do. We go out there and we're, you know, we're looking for a story, but don't necessarily be looking for a story, be looking for a connection. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily lead to a story that, that, you know, or a column, but it could in the future. And just sort of, you know, remember that and remember sort of that there are so many people out there with so many stories to tell and voices who we have historically chosen not to hear. So we have a lot of work to do in these communities. And we have a lot of work to do in these communities that that honestly, are for a lot of us, either going to make us or break us, because we need these communities to be invested in us, to be invested in our products, to be invested in our stories, to be invested in us as journalists. We're already in a lot of trouble, but we're going to be in worse trouble.
1: Yeah. If you can imagine such a yeah, thing. Yeah. Helen, thanks a lot for being sure. on the podcast. This has been great. Good luck with thanks. your uh, continued pop-ups and, uh, you know, telling the the little, little person's story.
0: Thank you so uh, much. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Okay. It's been a few weeks since I posted a survey to collect information about what programs, apps, and tools you're using to make good journalism. The response has been tepid, but the survey is not going away anytime soon. We want to hear from you about what tools you're using to do your job. And here's a reminder. If you fill out the survey, we'll send you one of our It's All Journalism coffee mugs. Be the envy of your newsroom. So go to itsalljournalism.com, follow the link, and fill out the survey. For those few who have already filled out the survey, thank you. You'll be hearing from me soon about your coffee mugs. For the rest of you, get cracking. We put a lot of hard work into creating this podcast for you every week. We ask so little in return. If you've enjoyed our podcast, do us a favor, fill out the survey, and we'll give you a mug. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.